Welcome to the How of Car Washing podcast. This is Henry Lopez. David Begin recently had an opportunity to chat with Dan Cassell about a historic car wash he is currently redeveloping. This is a two-part interview with part one to follow, and part two will be released next week. Now, here is David Begin with part one of his conversation with Dan. Welcome to the How of Car Washing, the podcast that helps the car wash owner, operator, and manager address the challenges and opportunities associated with building and running automated car washes in today's fast-paced environment. And now, here are your hosts, David Begin and Henry Lopez. Hi, and welcome to this episode of the How of Car Washing. I'm your host, David Begin, and my guest today is Dan Cassell, who is the CEO of Clearwater Communities. Dan's got about 20 years experience in retail real estate development in the home building industry, and he's entitled and built more than 2,000 homes in the Southern California area. And uh, prior to establishing Clearwater Communities, Dan served as a president and co-founder of Granite Homes, where he led the acquisition, raised capital, and development efforts for dozens of communities in the Southern California area. Dan holds a couple of uh, master's degrees from the one from the USC Marshall School of Business, and then a master in real estate development from the USC Price School of Policy, Planning and Development, and got his Bachelor of Arts from the University of Southern California. So he's a member of the California Building Industry Association, the National Association of Home Builders, and the USC Lux Center for Real Estate, and uh, he's on the board of the YPO. And so, Dan, thank you so much for joining me today. I appreciate you taking time out and visiting with me. Oh, thank you, David. Glad glad to be here. Yeah, good, good. So, um, we were talking a little bit about development earlier, and I want to kind of go back to that conversation as far as, you know, you've seen a lot over the last 20 years. And, and my experience with development, I just recently opened a car wash about a month ago, and I haven't done a car wash for about 10 years before that. But I've seen such a tremendous difference in the level of requirements that it takes to develop. And I bet you've seen that not only in the home industry, but but also in other projects you've done. But do you want to speak a little bit to that? I think Southern California is probably the epicenter when it comes to regulatory challenges. I'll put challenges or opportunities. Uh, can you speak a little bit to that? Yeah. I mean, our, our state has uh, some of the most stringent regulations with air quality and land use of probably anywhere. And, and we are a really highly regulated business, for, I mean, at the federal at the state, at the county and regional, and also, of course, the local city level. So, I mean, it was, has always been, you know, p- pretty cumbersome in that in that extent. And I think um, probably over so the time I've been involved in the, in real estate development, it's it, it's definitely gotten more more challenging. Um, there's a lot more eyes on potential projects, and uh, you know, neighbors and you know, citizens at large have taken a more active role and, and unfortunately, oftentimes, uh, you know, opposition role to new development. You know, it's a it's a very interesting thing because everything we see that's not from nature originally, like trees and landscape and stuff, has to do with real estate development. And we have a growing population and more development, but smart development needs to occur. Yet, you know, there's just a, a, a lot of challenging you know, forces. So yeah, if you've, you've had a more difficult time or other people have, I think that is what, what's been going on. Yeah. And I think even, even in development friendly states like Texas, I talked to car wash operators who are building car washes there and they're seeing tremendous regulatory issues and, and people 
you know, complaining about, you know, where car washes are being put and what the car washes are doing and making sure that there's a lot of development that's got to be done, that's got to be paid for by the car wash operator. I, I think the one thing that surprised me, and if you want to speak to this, is the level of interpretation. A lot of these things, regulations or laws, but a lot of them are subject to interpretation by the development department or the building department. And I think that's where a lot of the frustration might come in. A lot of frustration for me, but do you you find that to be frustrating when things are subject to interpretation? Well, for sure. As our country is divided into states and counties and then cities, you know, if you're in a chartered city, they they typically have a general plan and then there's a zoning that uh, further defines what can be done. And if, if, if a city is an older city, say like the city of Los Angeles, and you know some of these other cities, a lot of times their general plan is out of out of uh, date. You know, it's just antiquated, and there have been modifications here and there, and it just it's it, it can be kind of like a patchwork, right? So one, there's just what exists is is complicated, and then you know two, you have staff, and staff technically serve at the leisure of electeds, and so you know the staff people are you know typically educated, they have a planning degree. They are involved in you know, the management of cities and you know, they are bringing their experience and their intellect and their perception of what is good planning to the table. But, but also they work for the electeds, meaning the, you know, say, city council members. Um, they're also influenced by planning commissioners. And so um, that's where a lot of this subjectivity you know, comes into play and is really important you know, for really anybody who wants to, you know, create something out there like a, like a new car wash or the conversion of an existing car wash to get a good handle on um, what, what does staff think? You know, what, what is the current zoning? Is there a, an, an overlay or a specific plan or general plan amendment or update that's in process? And what is the, the trending, you know, in terms of, the vision. What is the vision of the electeds who should be translating that to the practitioners in the planning department so that a you know clear message can be you know delivered and um, you know implemented. So when folks like us come in because we want to do a car wash, we found a location that we think works for all of our various reasons and and such that, that we get you know proper feedback and make sure we can work with them collaboratively rather than you know in a negative kind of way. Right. Right. No, I, I certainly see that. And that was my frustration point is when there was, it was subject to interpretation and whether things needed to go through a development process or did need to go through a development process. And then as we were building kind of the interpretation of, you know, different building inspectors, how they interpreted what needed to be done and what didn't need to be done. And it just, it takes a lot of energy. I, I applaud you for doing this for so many years, but the amount of energy it takes to kind of push through that process is amazing. And if I had to do it all the time, I think it'd be, it'd be challenging and, and probably frustrating for me. But do you want to share what type of development that you do now? I know you, you were in home building for many years and now you've kind of moved on to some other types of development. Yeah, sure. Yeah. Um, we, you know, we, after, after the, the, well, it's called the great recession and the downturn, um, which we survived, it gave me an opportunity to really think about how we add value and what, what business are we really in? And um, so we expanded from home building, which we did do land entitlement and then building and construction and customer service. 
And really what we expanded to was to include high density residential. So uh, apartment communities where most of what we're doing have a density of somewhere around say 30 to 60 units to the acre. And so they're typically multi-story buildings and, uh, and things. And then we'll also do uh, mixed use. So we might find a site that say currently has industrial or retail on it and would maybe convert that to, you know, high density residential or mixed use. And our first car wash site is interesting because it has um, a bunch of industrial buildings on it and it has the car wash building. Because the car wash building has historic architecture, which in and of itself is very interesting and exciting and challenging, that, that building in its present form needs to remain. The balance of the site you know, could be developed into something else. So there, our vision was to create apartments. And so we call it like an apartment community and on the border of calling it luxury, but not that high priced. Uh, but that site will have 60 apartments, you know, three-story, tuck under parking, uh, carports, so all, 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 you know, parkings undercover. And then the front of the site will have um, the car wash, which has been there since 1961 as a full serve and also formerly had a gas station. And then it's, we're converting it into um, a, a, uh, an express exterior wash. And so there's a kind of a mixture of uses on one site. Yeah, so those are the types of things that we're doing. Try to be flexible and uh, have a vision and and you know, be opportunistic. Well, yeah, the story you were telling me last year at the car wash show about this car wash. You want to give us some some historical basis about the car wash because it's really an interesting. Sure. It's it's an interesting project, but a lot of us who have been in the car wash industry, we we kind of wonder what it was like back in the day operating these. And Southern California was probably one of the the epicenters when it came to car washing, as well as the architecture that was sort of built up. It sort of started a lot of this architecture that we saw kind of go, go across the country that was unique architecture in the 60s and the early 70s for car washing. So if you want to speak to that, that'd be great. Absolutely. Yeah. So so that wash was um, originally built as, as a uh, full serve wash, and it just was uh, a tunnel, which basically had a canopy. And then it had these very interesting... In essence, they were kind of formed I-beams that jutted very high into the air and still do. They're, they go about 35 feet tall. And there's a, also about a 35-foot sign pole. And that architecture is protected under CEQA, which is the California Environmental Quality Act, as historic architecture. And that architectural style is called Googie architecture. Okay. And I love the word, until this development came along and we became familiar with this and then studied up on historic architecture, I wasn't aware of it. But the word Googie is spelled just like the famous search engine. All you do is replace the L for an I. Okay. Googie architecture is that architectural style that was prevalent in the 1950s and 60s. And today you might refer to it as, say, retro future. But if we rewind the clock to the 1950s and 60s, a la the Jetsons cartoon, mm-hmm. it was the vision of architects and cartoonists uh, as to what the, what the future might be like and how the, the future was going to be fantastic and it was going to make life better and easier for people. And so that was the, the notion of this architecture. And it's prevalent in Southern California and um, and I think there's a, there's other locations that's been repeated, but um, I mean, essentially, 
its defining characteristics are the shape of the building, how the roofs either peak or actually almost do like a, a reverse peak and go to a valley, mm-hmm. the shape of the signs and the colors. And a lot of diners that I think probably everybody's familiar with are actually labeled as Googie architecture. And so some of the brand names that we all know of, like Denny's, In-N-Out Burger, Bob's Big Boy, uh, Pans, Spires, Norms. Uh, there's a lot more coffee shops in and around Southern California, many of which still exist. Those all had Googie architecture. A lot of bowling alleys had it mm-hmm. as well on how the roof line was and how the signs were. And it's just interesting images. And there's been sort of a fascination more recently, maybe in real estate development for what they call mid-century architecture. Okay. So what that really means is homes that are probably built in the fifties and sixties that, you know, maybe until it got old enough now, it's say 60 plus years later, there's now this fascination with it and that people want to, you know, preserve it and enhance it and things. So Googie has has uh, its place in history and people are, are very involved with it. There's different conservancies like in Los Angeles, there's the Los Angeles Historic Conservancy and there's one in the city of Whittier, which our watch happens to be located in that city. And, um, you know, they, they, you know, consider this architecture to be very valuable. And so when we first heard about it, I you know, just realized because this business is highly regulated and we're very used to dealing with sort of unusual items. Frequently, they're biological, like, you know, bugs and bunnies and all sorts of critters that are, you know, might on the might be on the endangered species list. So we're, you know, normally used to dealing with, you know, federal agencies like the Army Corps of Engineers, mm-hmm. Fish and Wildlife, California Fish and Wildlife, and that, that kind of thing. Well, so the historic part was something that we're just aware of, but didn't have direct experience. So we um, started researching it and there's a lot out there and we realize this is very important and there's this great opportunity to, to take this structure and turn it into an express wash, but also be faithful and true to its original historic roots. And so we ended up hiring this lovely woman whose name is Margarita Jarabek, She's a PhD architect, historian, and by spending time with her, she accelerated our education and understanding and sensitivity to Googie architecture. And there's a fellow in the city who is very tuned into it. And he connected us or suggested we get connected to this author and architect whose name is Alan Hess. So we reached out to Alan and he's actually written, I think he said, 30 books on Googie architecture. Oh, wow. So I bought one of them and read it and um, just so it could be, you know, starting to scratch the surface to understand the depth of his knowledge and thought it'd be really good to involve him. Although it was a little intimidating or scary at first because our intention was to, you know, restore this car wash, but not knowing how to do it, you know, pose some risk. What if, you know, we do it wrong or have like the, you know, make a mistake or something. And if we involve this guy and he thinks, you know, we're not genuine or we're doing something wrong, we could have, uh, you know, kicked a sleeping giant, mm-hmm. so to speak. Uh, but on the other hand, if he appreciate what we were doing, he could be helpful and supportive. And at the end of the day, you know, so, you know support the project. And so as it turns out, the, uh, the latter was the case. And he loved this car wash and was very familiar with it. And in fact, if you just Googled historic car washes, Los Angeles, mm-hmm. an image of this wash in the city of Whittier at this interesting intersection called Five Points would appear. And that's what we did at the very beginning. And it said something to the effect from the LA Conservancy that this is one of the finest examples 
of Googie architecture in a car wash that exist. And so we really felt we were onto something. And, and so with the help of Margarita and with uh, this one fellow, Don Dooley at the city, who's a planner by trade, but he's personally very knowledgeable and interested in the historic. And then Alan Hess, we um, refined our plan, got, you know, good input from them and, you know, you know, completed everything. And we're now, you know, fully approved and we're getting ready actually to start uh, construction in about, well, actually about a week or so. Oh, wow. Good. Good. Congratulations on that. This episode of The How of Car Washing is sponsored by Focused Car Wash Solutions. Focused Car Wash Solutions is your complete guide to having a successful business in the car wash industry. Whether you are a new investor or a seasoned operator looking to make improvements, the experienced team at Focus can help you every step of the way. For more information, please go to focusedcarwash.com. So do do you feel like that team was helpful to you to sell the idea to the local community? Do you, do you think the fact that this had historic uh, relevance made a difference in helping sell it? It, it? it definitely has an impact, but the impact is a little complicated because there's a lot of different factions that have something to say about historic architecture. So in our case, we had, in general, you know, the city, which in and of itself wasn't particularly, you know, highly focused on that. However, there is a a group called the HRC, so it's appointed by um, probably electeds, and that's the Historic Review Commission. So since they thought it was important enough to do this, they they had that. So there's the HRC. Then there's the Conservancy, which is uh, more or less a private group that's focused in it. And then you have uh, you know citizens, some of whom uh, don't really get the historic nature and just want other things to happen and not you know respect the history. And then you have other groups who want development, but sensible development, and they want the historic preservation to occur. But they don't want it to be over the top and dissuading business from establishing itself and and growing. Mm-hmm. So a lot of competing elements to it, and you know we just spent time with everybody and and you know took took, took people's uh, thoughts into account and had you know done our best to figure out really what, what what's what is the best thing, what is the truth, let's operate in the truth, and what's you know, what is the law, et cetera, and let's that's, that's work with it. So so I think by respecting it, we ended up not getting challenged by the historic people, which was not the case for one of our uh, developer friends. Uh, it's a very large company, Brookfield. They have a substantial site nearby that has historic structures, and their plan is to build about 700 homes. And they got stopped and got sued, and it was just a whole thing. And it really had to do with the historic uh, component. So it, it, it plays a very you know relevant role. It's just there's a lot of players and each can have maybe some sort of a different perspective. Yeah. So if you're going to yeah. do something historic, it's this is like in addition to the regulation and challenges we face just in a regular development. Right. And um, so you got to be ready for that. But if you have the sensitivity to it and you're interested and you think it's you know, a cool thing and I, which I do. And I think that's, it's, it's got a marketing appeal, you know, sure. it's, it's got history sure. and a lot of businesses don't have history. 
they try to create logos and words and images and colors to, you know, connote their message and to, um, you know, attract interest in their brand. And, you know, as we all know, sometimes this works and like other times, not so much. Whereas here we have like this natural um, marketing. And so I just think is, I think it's a big, big plus. Yeah. In fact, we're going to call it Googie Car Wash. Oh, very good. Which, and I believe me, I checked with the people like Alan Hess that like that wouldn't be perceived as, uh, you know, a faux pas or something. And it's just an unusual word. And I think um, it'll help generate, you know, interest beyond just having a good express exterior wash that gets the cars, you know, clean, dry and shiny and such. Yeah. So what, what made you decide? I mean, obviously with your development business, you decided, hey, I want to get in the car wash business. And this is a big challenge. I, I applaud you for taking on not only starting a car wash, but also the historical aspect of the Googie architecture. But what made you decide to keep this project and not pass it off to another car wash operator? Well, I, I think because I became really interested and intrigued in the business at first, just as a customer. And um, there is a there's a fellow who established an express wash in the city of Costa Mesa, which is pretty close to where I live. And this wash opened and I really didn't really understand what it was all about. It, and it was like he was he was offering up at five dollars. And I thought it was maybe some charity thing. And after I went by it a couple of times over a, a few week period, I went and tried it out. And I was uh, so impressed. I, I just thought it was the, the greatest thing. You go in, you pay your reasonable amounts. I remember saying say five and $12. You stay in your car, the machinery washes and dries your car, and then you can vacuum for free or just leave. And the whole thing takes five minutes. I, I just thought this was fabulous. Mm -hmm. And uh, especially as an alternative to a full serve, which um, I don't know, I was a parent and my wife and I tend to volunteer for all these different things and our kids are in sports and I'm coaching and I'm scouting and I'm the scout master, all that kind of stuff. You know, who has time, right? right? Oh, great. Five minutes. So I just became a customer of it. And then as my kids got old enough to have, you know, their first uh, used car, uh, we would actually caravan over and it became a father-son thing. And as I, as I started experiencing it and realizing what was going on, I just became interested in learning more about this, this business. And um, once I got a glimpse of what was going on, I said, wow, this is great. And I started to really love the idea of that and that we could provide a service to people and kind of look at it every other day. It's either an affordable luxury or an affordable necessity. In other words, we can do something. We can put a smile on you know, people's face for say somewhere today's dollars, say between, you know, say seven and $15. And, you know, we're, we're, we're doing something good out there. And that, that's something that was really interesting and, and exciting to me. And as I started to talk with people, most people really want their car to be clean. Guys do, gals do. And I, I realized probably 60% of the market is, is, uh, you know, women. And um, I, I just think it's a great service. And I was trying to figure out, well, how can, how can I be part of it? And I felt, well, there's kind of this real estate component that is complicated as we talked about and challenging and things. So we can, you know, bring that to the table. And then, you know, obviously we have plenty to learn, but, you know, operating this business with you know, the proper mentality, I think we could be successful in it. So I think it first becoming a customer of it and then to having the, the, the desire to take the plunge and go for it. Yeah, no, I think that's a great Great story. And that's how a lot of us got in the industry. We looked at it and said, this looks like a great idea and a great business. And the Exterior Express model is obviously, you know, one that has been up and coming for the last 10 years, but I call it the fast casual of car washing. You know, it's, it's kind of a combination of 
you know, some full serve components, but also some self serve components. And I think people like that fast casual aspect of it. And I, I love a full service car wash. It's just I'm not, I'm not, you know, I like to wash my car in between and keep it clean uh, as we go along. But yeah, uh, I like that fast casual, right? That's applied to uh, restaurants where you have either full service sit down or fast food, and then something in between is where you're getting something you know, maybe healthier and you know broader choice and you know, higher quality amenities, more something in the middle. So I think that's a good way to describe it. Yeah. Yeah. So you had a lot to learn when you decided you were going to get in the car wash business. So what did you do and where did you go? I know we met at the 2017 car wash show, the ICA car wash show in Las Vegas. We just sort of ran into each other and just became fast friends. And you were interested in, you know, you were thinking about this car wash. You had some great uh, renderings of, of what the car wash was going to look like. And it was, it just really caught my attention. But uh, describe your learning process about the industry. Where did you go? Who did you talk to? Well, I think that show was was very helpful. And, and before that, I actually went to the NAX show, which was more about, uh, fo- you know, focus on fa- um, convenience stores, but then they had, you know, a, a, a you know, good, good little group of uh, car wash manufacturers and service providers there. And I, I would actually talk to people who are, operates a car wash and asking them about their business. I'm just sort of a naturally uh, curious person. And then I think it was extremely helpful going to the International Car Wash Show and, and it was fantastic meeting you. And, 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 and quite frankly, one of the things I really like about this industry is it's almost every person who I've met, whether they're you know a manufacturer or a car wash owner, an operator or a service provider of sorts, everybody is you know interested in helping and I had such a warm reception, almost universally, from everybody I spoke with. I just, the more I talked to people, because I was interested, the more fascinated I became, and the more people I got this opportunity to speak with. And they said, oh, well, Dan, you know, you should go meet so-and-so. And actually, we got introduced. It uh, wasn't by complete, complete by chance. And people said, oh, you have to meet David Begin. Okay. And, and, and we got this chance to meet with you. And you were very generous with your time, just sitting down and answering our barrage of questions and, and things. And, um, but I think, you know, I've, I've flown out of state multiple times now to try to observe and see if I can chat with kind of best in class operators. I've, you know, I've been to Atlanta a couple of times to, to Texas, I've been to Utah and, um, you know, see what, what people are doing. And, um, and, and I think a lot of the people who are in the manufacturing and service providing arenas, have very considerable knowledge. I've been doing it for 30 years. And so uh, reaching out to those people who all have been, you know, very generous with their time. So that that's mostly how we've done this. And um, and then I just go, I get my car washed a lot. Mm-hmm. Yeah. <laughs> and I go to different car washes and I go through and I, I try to critically observe what's going on, you know, from everything on their site planning, ingress and egress to um, how, how you pay, whether it's a, a person in a toll booth or, an automated pay station and you know one group does both and i've asked them well why do you do that and they answered and, and then going through the tunnel what what's that experience like and then I'm just looking at the car how, how clean and dry is it and you know where is it lacking and try to understand why and um there's a lot to it it's it's uh, there's a there's a lot to the business yeah i would agree with that i definitely would agree there's a lot to it. and a lot of people when they get in it you know they don't realize the complexity of a car wash and everything that's got to take place to, to make a car clean, shiny, and dry. There's a lot going on behind the scenes. It looks easy. And that's, that's the kind of the fallacy of the business is from the customer standpoint, it looks easy. And any business that runs well looks easy. 
and but you realize everything that goes on in the background to make sure that that uh, that happens. But uh, no, that's that's exactly the same experience most of us had. You know, we got involved, got to meet some people, and I know at the car wash show you were thinking about assembling your team of people, so the people that are going to help you. So, uh, were you able yes. to get that that team assembled? And uh, first question: What did did your architect that you used have car wash experience, or did they have just other type of experience? Well, the architect we hired actually had historic building experience in the city of Whittier, and so one of our modes of operation is hiring engineers and architects who maybe have experience in that jurisdiction or with that type of product. But uh, we didn't really find anybody who was experienced actually in, in car washes per se. And this situation is the architect, the, the, the building's there, but we do need an architect to do the, the refurbishment. And there's some add-on components to the car wash tunnel that occurred over the decades after 1961 mm-hmm. that should not be there. And then they're actually in the way for our purposes of how we want to have the flow uh, continue. And so we have, you know, use for that kind of architecture. But but um, but I went around and tried to spend time and talk with the different manufacturers of products and see what, what they're all about and their manufacturing philosophy and, you know, their market share and their different products and, and things. And I think one, one of the important things I learned was that there's a lot of good products out there. And uh, in a way, in my mind, it's almost like a car, you know, is a Ford better than a Chevy? Well, it depends who you ask. Is a BMW better than a Mercedes? Same answer. So um, without really the ability to like have this experience, well, you know, I use this brand and this is my experience with it without knowing all that. What I, what I, what I observed was, I, I think almost, well, certainly equally important, if not more important, are, are the people who you're dealing with. And this is a it's kind of a business where you're not going to get the equipment drop shipped if, if you don't know what you're doing, right? I mean, this this right. needs to be um, very well planned out and laid out and installed. And, you know, how that happens is is not by chance. I mean, if it's done well, that it makes all the difference in the world and setting up the chemistry properly and maintaining it and, and who you're dealing with and, and how you, you know, continue to learn. So that became... You know, my focal point was, okay, well, if, if we do this, we're not just buying a bunch of very expensive equipment, you know, from someone in another state, and then we're never going to see them again. Um, it's, it's this relationship, and who do we want to have a relationship with? And who do we, you know, feel is going to be there and going to give us the good advice, the right advice, and connect us, jokingly, take the target off our backs as a new time operator, mm-hmm. and help us avoid you know, some of the, some of the pitfalls that should, should, should be uh, avoided. Right. But as, but as a new operator, I, I'm certain, you know, we're going to not do everything right. And, you know, we're going to figure things out, you know, partially as we go, but I think it's really the people. And so uh, if I can tell you, it's, there's a lot of great people in the industry in many different facets. And that's another thing that I really liked about this industry is that uh, it's pretty congenial. And um, I think, Hey, look, we all have choice and what do you want to spend your time doing? And I choose to be around people who I think are maybe like-minded and energetic and positive and, you know, want to do the right thing. Yeah, I think that's great. And I think most of us found the same thing when we got in the industry was the fact that there were people willing to help us and help us be successful. And it was very much a collegial industry. Now, with the onset of, you know, larger players in the market. We, we know it'll be interesting to see how that plays out over the years, but I think it does have its roots in 
individuals helping individuals, very open, very honest, you know, wanting people to be successful in the, in the business. And that's what I liked about it too. Thanks for listening to part one of David's conversation with Dan Cassell. We will release part two of their conversation next week. Thank you for listening to the How of Car Washing. For more information, links, and other resources, please visit thehowofcarwashing.com and leave us a comment if you have a topic you would like discussed. Thanks for listening, and we look forward to having you next time on the How of Car Washing.